Welcome back, everyone, to our Metro Division Preview Part 1, brought to you by the Brothers Blue Shirt. Matteau swoops in to intercept. The waiting is over! Matteau behind the net. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions! Still on! In overtime, the Rangers move on to Tampa. Swings it in front! And this one will last a lifetime! He's I'm Steve, and with me as always is my brother Matt. Hello everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining us uh, here two weeks later after our last podcast. Uh, Excited to get into uh, just a preview of the other teams in the division to just give you a couple storylines to keep an eye out for as we approach the beginning of the regular season. But to start, we will first, Steve, you want to give us a social media plug? Absolutely. So, as always, follow us on Twitter at the Brothers, or at, correction, at Blue Shirt Bros 94, and on Instagram and Facebook at the Brothers Blue Shirt. Right. So, this is part one of our Metro preview. And we're starting with all of the bottom of the barrel teams that are probably not going to make the playoffs. And if they do have a shot, they're probably wild card type team. So uh, we're, we're going to start in uh, at the very bottom based on the stats and points of last season. So the total number of points, um, we're going to start with the least amount of points acquired and move up to... Uh, the most points. So uh, that's what we're going to be getting into. But uh, do you, Steve, do you want to give us a quick rundown of uh, the brief Rangers news that's happened in the past couple weeks? Right. So last time we recorded this, we recorded it uh, maybe a day or two right before Mika Zibanejad signed his uh, contract, signed with the Rangers for five years at $5.35 million, which if Zibanejad is able to – perform as we expect him to perform I think that's a great deal it buys out three of his unrestricted free agency years and takes him through his age 29 season which is great because that essentially buys up his best years of playing at a very reasonable price Um, the other thing to mention as part of this contract is he has a no trade clause kicking in starting in year three I did a little bit of investigating and I couldn't quite get whether it was a partial no trade clause or a full no trade clause however it does start in year three so not this year not next year but the year after so then some other things some other exciting uh happenings in ranger ranger world um the world junior summer showcase the rangers had three players participating uh lias anderson played for team sweden and then sean day and tim gettinger played for Team USA. Most notably, uh, Elias Anderson performed extremely well. Uh, I believe he put up four goals and an assist uh, during the tournament. Um, very respectable, and he was uh, he captained Team Sweden. And in the uh, Team Sweden's 3-2 loss to Team USA, Anderson scored both of the goals for Sweden. Um, also of note, uh, Sean Day was putting on... Uh, or, He wasn't putting on a show, but what he was showing was his uh, effortless speed. Um, There was there was one video or one clip that I saw where he just like 
seemed to be just skating at 60%. That's what it seemed like to me. And essentially caught up to a guy that essentially had a breakaway going in at full speed. He just made it look effortless and just broke up the play. Um, and then, although Philip Keitel did not participate in the World Junior Summer Showcase because the Czech Republic was not um, sending players there, he did score in two exhibi- in one goal in each of the two exhibition games that the Czech Republic played um, in the past couple weeks. So great things happening um, from all our young players. Uh, I think the future is pretty bright, and we definitely have a lot more skill in our system than we did uh, a couple months ago. So then the last the last little piece of Rangers news is uh, Matt Zuccarello was also putting on quite a show, um, although this time it was not on the ice. It was on the pitch. Zuccarello scored a goal and assisted on three other goals in the uh, – Norwegian celebrity soccer game. So uh, he was he was out there and just like on the Rangers, he was dishing the ball and uh, also putting the puck or correction the ball in the net. Uh, so even if he's not on the ice, he's still put uh, putting up points. So good for Mats. All that all that pregame soccer juggling before before the games is paying off. Uh, if you don't follow the Rangers on Snapchat, you can usually see pregame the, the team. A lot of NHL teams <laughs> like to warm up uh, with a soccer ball. They all get in a circle and um, just try to work on their uh, coordination with a, a soccer ball. So pretty interesting. Uh, so, all right. Uh, thanks for that quick update on the Rangers. And so we'll jump right into the Metropolitan <clears throat> Division. So finishing last in the Metropolitan last year were the New Jersey Devils. So, Steve, you want to just dive into what we can be looking for here in the coming season? Yeah, so uh, quick recap on the Devils season. The Devils had 70 points. They were dead last in the Eastern Conference, eight points behind Buffalo for second to last place in the conference. So obviously that means they were last in the division as well. Uh, Their last playoff appearance was in 2012, in which they did beat our New York Rangers in OT in Game 6 of the conference finals. However, that was the only deep playoff run that the Devils have had since 2003 when they won the Stanley Cup. Since that time, they've had four first-round exits, two second-round exits, and only five total series have won. Or They've only won five total series including the three in 2012. However, the Devils, uh, by virtue of um, their last place finish in the Eastern Conference, they were able to uh, win the lottery and get the first overall selection, which they used on Nico Hersher. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but uh, he's a center with um, some significant talent. Um, I, I think he's going to step right in for the Devils. Uh, could could be a second-line center, could be a third-line center, but I think he's going to be very valuable and significant addition to that forward group. Um, the Devils also went out. They signed former Ranger Brian Boyle, um, and I think Devils fans will like this because uh, – when he when he told when he had his interview after signing with the Devils, he did say that one of the reasons he signed with the Devils and not with the Rangers was because he enjoyed pissing off Rangers fans. So, um, I think Brian Boyle has a little bit of uh, animosity towards the Rangers management and coaching staff uh, 
following. The funny the, thing is, is, I still I still really like Brian Boyle. Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> Brian Boyle is a great player. I don't think he has any animosity towards the fans. I think it's all directed towards the coaching and management. Yeah. But uh, one other highlight, um, I think we can make this point again here. Um, I just want to point out that the Devils offered Kevin Shattenkirk a contract well over what the Rangers offered him, and Kevin Shattenkirk turned the Devils down to come play for the Rangers. So there's there's my little dig for the Devils. Um, however, the Devils did go out and trade for Marcus Johansson, for a second and third round pick, uh, for second and third round picks in 2018. So th- this was another really great trade. This was this was probably the best um, off season move I've seen so far from the Devils uh, this year. Uh, really really good move. Johansson um, should bring a lot more depth and a lot more scoring to that um, Devils offense. So that's a, that's a quick recap on the Devils season. Um, Moving on to their their goaltending situation, I think the Devils are in a pretty good spot. Corey Schneider is a very good goalie. <laughs> He's obviously stuck on the Devils team, on this Devils team that put up 70 points, um, and they don't really have very much um, in the way of defense, as we'll cover here in a bit. But Corey Schneider is a good goalie. He played 60 games this past year. He had 20 wins, 27 losses, with 11 overtime losses. His goals against average was 2.82. I, I'm not a big fan of the goals against average as a indicator of an individual um, player's uh, or an individual goalie's um, talent. Um, his his save percentage was also kind of low, 0.908. Um, I think I think Lundqvist this year was 0.910 or 0.911. Um, not very good. Uh, not terrible, but not good or not not what you want to see from your starting goaltender. However, I think a lot of that has to do with the team that was in front of Corey Schneider. Um, so, And then backing him up, uh, you have Keith Kincaid, who I really had hoped the Rangers were going to sign. Uh, instead, they went with Andre Pavlich. But Kincaid played in 26 games with eight wins, 13 losses, three overtime losses, a 2.64 goals against average, and a 9.16 save percentage. Um, so I, I think the goal, the Devils' goaltending situation is actually pretty good. Um, it's definitely not their weak spot. Um, with the right with the right team, Corey Schneider can be a much better goaltender. Um, the issue comes when you move on to the defense, um, and I I think that's part of the reason why you see such high goals against um, numbers and save such low save percentage numbers with the goalies there. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. I mean, you look at Henrik Lundqvist. He he has been historically a phenomenal goalie, uh, and he has put up crazy good numbers with those with the the statistic of goals against average and save percentage. But if you also look at the defense that he had when when Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl, when that core group of defense when we were younger his numbers were better and as they've gotten older I think Lundqvist's uh, numbers have dipped I mean part of that's age but I think it's also the quality of defense so I think it's the same thing um, with with the Devils but if you're putting up 70 points in a season uh, your your goaltending statistics are going to suffer so yeah definitely so moving on to the defense um 
the, the defensive depth chart that I that I've been able to come up with um, from I looked at a number of sources. So Devils fans, forgive me if I get this somewhat wrong. I may have missed a player or two, but from what I gathered, uh, you have Andy Green, Ben Lovejoy, Damon Severson, John Moore, former Ranger, Kyle Kinsey, John Merrill, Stephen Santini, and then Dalton Prout, Michael Kapla, and Mirko Mueller. Um, bringing up um, the prospects and depth on the Devils' uh, defense. So just going over some stats here. Last year, um, Andy Green, Ben Lovejoy, Damon Severson, John Moore, um, Kyle Kinsey, and uh, John Merrill um, were the – they were the go-to guys. Each of those guys played over 50 games. Then you had Steven Santini playing 38 games. So you look at that and you see Andy Green – He's not going to put up very many points. He had 13 points last year. Uh, ben Lovejoy, seven points. John Moore had 22 points. He's actually he's not a bad defenseman. Um, just I wouldn't I wouldn't count him on uh, in that top four. Um, and then Kyle Kinsey, 12 points. John Merrill, six points. Uh, you really only have one defenseman that's a point producer in Damon Severson, and he's he's one of the Devils' younger players at uh, 22 years old, I believe 22 years old, putting up 31 points in 80 games. Um, so uh, something to look forward to there. They do have some uh, defensive depth um, with and young defensive depth with Damon Severson. Um, but I think the Devils are looking for a couple of these younger guys um, to step up, uh, including... Um, Mirko Mueller um, who um, so if he can step up um, and then complement these these other players maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see an increase in the devil's points um, but right now defense it seems is definitely the devil's Achilles heel right and they had they had uh, Adam Larson but traded right. him to right. the Oilers for Taylor Hall <clears throat> So, which I, piece. I I do think that was a good trade for the Devils. Honestly, I mean I know they don't really have a lot of quality NHL defensemen, but if you can trade Adam Larson, who is not a he's a, he's a very good defenseman. Uh, don't get me wrong, but he's not a defenseman that's going to be putting up forty points a year, or fifty points a year, or sixty points a year. Like he's not a top. Right. Of, he's not a top end defenseman, but with bringing back Taylor Hall, you are bringing back a 60, 70, 80 point player, a guy that's going to put up 30 goals and he can change the game. Uh, right. He's a game he's a game changer. Yeah. So I, I think that was a good trade, but it it did hurt the Devils uh, defensive depth. Right. So then Moving on to the forwards, um, we have at center, we got Travis Zajac, Pavel Zaka, Brian Boyle, Nico Hirscher, and Blake Coleman. Um, so Zajac was the de facto number one center, uh, played 80 games last year, put up 45 points. Um, but then you had Pavel Zaka playing 70 games, putting up 24 points. And then, yeah, bringing in Brian Boyle. So Brian Boyle, maybe he's maybe he's the third-line center, maybe he's the fourth-line center. Depends on how Hersher develops. Um, but he played 75 games and put up 25 points. So personally, I think Brian Boyle is best suited for that third line. 
Um, center role, can bring some offense, can bring some grit, can kill the penalties, win face-offs. Um, so I think I think that was a good decision. Then on left wing, you got Taylor Hall, Adam Henrique, John Quenville, Miles Wood, and Joe Blandisi. Um, you got some good depth there. Hall, 53 points in 72 games. Uh, Henrique, 40 points. And uh, then you got some depth guys that are, aren't putting up a whole lot of points. Right wings, Marcus Johansson with 82 games played, uh, 58 points. Uh, I think his point total will probably drop off a little bit coming from the Capitals uh, where they had uh, a great power play and now coming to the Devils um, don't necessarily have as good a power play. And then Kyle Palmieri, 80 games played and 53 points. So I think the, the biggest the biggest thing, theme here or the biggest thing I see with the Fords is the Devils have – a, a pretty good top six. However, after the top six, there's not a whole lot there in terms of pass production. Maybe some guys will step up. You have Hersher in there as a rookie. He could step up um, big time and help them out a lot. But I think the Devils are really counting on a lot of their younger players to step up. Um, it's I think it's unfortunate for them that – unfortunate for them, very fortunate for the Rangers or whoever ends up getting him – um, their 2012 fifth-round draft pick, Alex Kerfoot. Uh, he's going to be testing free agency here in about a week, and uh, I really hope the Rangers get him. Uh, it sucks for the Devils, but, hey, that's that's the NHL. Yeah. So and it, he's a what, – what position does he play? He plays center, which is the reason the Rangers could really use him. Yeah, definitely lacking in that center position. But I think I think overall the, devil, the Devils are moving in the right direction. It's it's been uh, a little bit. It's been the dark days for the Devils the past few years. However, they are replenishing their prospects. They're they're getting better. They're adding forward depth. I think they still need uh, to get um, another quality defenseman or two uh, to really become um, a contender. I think Shattenkirk not signing there hurt. Definitely hurt, but. Um, they're definitely moving in the right direction. So this year I, I'm predicting the Devils to improve actually fairly significantly. I think they're going to move up from 70 points to 82 points. I still think they're going to be 12th in the East, um, but it's, it's still a significant um, still significant moving forward, 12 points higher. Uh, we should, we'll see, though. Yeah. So the next team we're going to look at here is the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the last time the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup was in 2006, um, and so since since then they've really uh, dropped off, and um, they they've been trying to come back to be a competitive team. Uh, but really, when I when I look at the Rangers playing the Hurricanes, I in my mind I'm always thinking, all right, that's two points that we have to have, like. There's no way that we should be losing to the Hurricanes. Um, but they really are becoming um, a, a really competitive team as of late. So in, in the offseason, they made uh, some good acquisitions that uh, should help them moving forward. Um, this, this past season, they finished in seventh in the Metropolitan at uh, with 87 points. And they, they missed the wild card wild card spot by um let's see is, I mean they were they were about eight points out but 
uh, they really finished very strong at the end of the season. They, um, in, in the, the last uh, 23 games of the season, they finished with 28 points going 11-6-6. Six, and six, And that was the fourth highest amount of points out of the whole league. So they finished really strong. Um, and, I mean, they, they didn't have a great season finishing seventh in the Metropolitan, but I think that, that the way that they finished the season when they could have just looked at it and said, you know, the season's over, um, you know, they, they didn't quit and they, they, they continued working hard, and I think that's something that they can build on moving forward. So one thing, one, one big move the Hurricanes made is acquiring Scott Darling from the Blackhawks in April. And that really uh, should uh, solidify the the net minding for the Hurricanes. Uh, in the past, they had uh, Cam Ward and Eddie Lack, and so. But for the past uh, three years, they've finished 27th or worse in save percentage in the league. So, out of out of the 30 teams, they finished uh, 27th or worse, which is obviously very poor and if you don't have goaltending in this league it's very hard to win so bringing in a guy like Scott Darling who has had a save percentage of 9 923 in the past three seasons which uh, that that's good for six sixth best in the NHL for goalies that have started at least 50 times in the past three seasons so that should help the Hurricanes a lot yeah, and the, the, yeah. the only the only question I have with Scott Darling is is he going to be able to make that transition from a backup to a starter? Uh, right. He definitely everything seems like he could he can be an NHL starter, but going from playing twenty four games or twenty five games a season to now playing fifty five or sixty games, it's it's a different story. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, it's a uh, obviously something the Hurricanes are hoping works out. I mean. The the Edmonton Oilers made a made a trade for Cam Talbot a few years ago, and he's ended up working out really well for for the Oilers. So the Hurricanes are hoping uh, they have a similar situation on their hands. Uh, and another big storyline to follow with the Hurricanes is their their defensive core. Uh, it's a really young um, young set of guys. Their average age is. 23.6 so uh, when you look at Nashville's run this past season uh, they that team was built on a really good defense good mobile defense that could uh, put up some points and the Hurricanes have something similar uh, headlining that defensive core is Justin Folk last year he put up 37 points with uh, 17 goals and 20 assists and then there were a couple other guys that uh, uh, Jakob Slavin put up 34 points and Noah Hannafin put up 29 points. So you have three defensemen that put up uh, 30 points or almost 30 points. And uh, they also have filling out the rest of the defensive core Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Brett Pesci, Klaus Dahlbeck. Um, so a, a couple of really good young guys that uh, can really bring this team uh, to where they need to be. So they're they're hoping their goaltending improves. They have this young defense, uh, and then they're you know 
offense just needs to put up some points. So, yeah, I think um, that's I think that's the big question. The the defense is obviously very good. I just who's going to score for them up front? That's that's my question. Yeah. I I guess you're going to go into that right now. Yeah. So they that that definitely is the uh, the big question mark. Uh, they did. They did uh, make some off-season moves. Uh, they picked up Justin Williams from the Capitals, uh, and they they have Jeff Skinner, who's um, a, a great player. He put up 37 goals and 26 assists, uh, so he's really carrying the team last year. Um, and in terms then they of have, yeah, in, in terms of points, um, can't really carry a team if you're in seventh in the Metro, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but they let, let's just put it this way they have a lot of potential uh, Tivo Teravainen is a, a name uh, you've probably heard before a young rookie that uh, came up with the Blackhawks organization got traded to the Hurricanes uh, last year he put up 15 goals 27 assists um, so Sebastian Ajo mm-hmm, yeah. 24 goals 25 assists so and Jordan Stahl is uh, still with the Hurricanes. He's still productive, not uh, probably, uh, definitely not at the peak of his career anymore. But uh, so they have some guys that can score, but that's definitely you know they're they're lacking that um, that depth as well, similar to the Devils. Right. So, um, yeah. It, but like I said, they finished really strong last year. Uh, with that 11-6-6 run, and uh, they're definitely hoping to carry that momentum over into next season. Yeah, they're so. they're definitely they're definitely a team I I'm watch I'm going to be watching for. I, I think they could very easily surprise some people, and like you said, uh, they could very easily make the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, with that, I think I think this Hurricanes team. Um, with the moves that they made in the off season, I think that they could uh, could make that threshold and get uh, a wild card spot. So my prediction for the Hurricanes: they finished with 87 points last year. I think they get 95 points and sneak into a wild card spot. So bold prediction. I think it could happen, though. Yeah, I think it could happen as well. So. The next team that we're going to talk about is the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so, obviously, a rival of the Rangers. Um, but they, I think they've really just been a disappointing team. I think there's been a lot of expectation uh, for the Flyers, or at least a, a desire that with, with a name like uh, Jakub Voracek and Claude Giroux that uh, something special would happen. It just hasn't really panned out. I think the big question mark in the organization is like we are wasting the prime years of Claude Giroux and uh, just need to do something to get this team into the playoffs. So um, that yeah. That being said, I think they have the names to. If you if you look on paper, they have a lot of really big names like Jakub Voracek, Claude Giroux, uh, Wayne Simmons put up big numbers last year. Um, so Voracek, 
put up yeah, Jakub Voracek put up sixty one points. Giroud put up fifty eight points. Braden Shen put up fifty five points. Wayne Simmons scored thirty one goals. Uh, and then you have an electric young defenseman like Shane Gostas Bear. Uh, you you wonder why this team uh, can't can't put it all together, um, but yeah, they're they're really hoping uh, moving forward that uh, the the tide will turn in their favor. They have in goal they have um, uh, Mason Steve Mason who's uh, put up pretty good numbers for them, all things considered. Uh, this past year, he had a goals against average of 2.66 and a save percentage of 908. And, uh, you know, those aren't crazy good numbers, but again, like the Devils, when you put those numbers up uh, behind a team that's underperformed like the Flyers, they're they're not terrible. So, All right. I don't... I don't think Steve Mason is not a he's not a great goalie, um, but he's he's a very capable goalie. I think that's the yeah. big thing to point out here. He's not. I don't think he's the he's not the main issue here. They, right. Yeah. He's he's a respectable goalie with a team that's not performing in front of him. Right. So, uh, I think the biggest thing uh, with the Flyers is uh, they really snuck into the second overall pick of this past draft. I think they were not expecting to pick that high, uh, but it ended up working out for them. So I, I think they were expecting to get uh, like the seventh or eighth overall pick, and uh, somehow they ended up getting the second overall pick, and they selected Nolan Patrick. So uh, this past year, he put up uh, – 46 points in 33 regular season games and it it come it's come out that he was playing through an injury it was, what was the injury again a sports hernia right yes so he he's come out and said uh, and this is a quote I was probably 60% when I first started playing the season then I maybe got up to 70 75 tops I never had any win during games. I'd lose my energy real, really quick trying to skate with that injury. So you're looking at a guy uh, who is saying that he's not playing at 100% and still put up 46 points in 33 regular season games. So the, the Flyers are you know, looking at that and saying, well, you can only imagine what he would do at 100%. Um, but the flip side of that coin is he – is coming off an injury and uh, it's really earlier in his career so you're hoping that that doesn't become a pattern uh, of injury that just becomes a player that doesn't really end up working out at all but the 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 hope is that he will jump right into the roster and take a take some of the pressure off of those top guys like Borchek and Giroux and be able to put up you know 40 30, 40 points in his rookie season. That's the ideal uh, situation for the Flyers. Right. Yeah, just like the Devils, I think uh, Nolan Patrick is going to play it. He's going to have a big impact one way or the other. If, he stay, if he's able to stay healthy, uh, he's, he's going to add another um, weapon there. He's going to be a – I mean, with the, with the centers of Claude Giroux, 
um, Nico Hersher and Braden Shen. Um, you got three very good centers there. Uh, the Flyers have a great situation where Hersher doesn't have to come in and be a number one or two center. You have Claude Drew at number as your number one center, and you have Braden Shen putting up 55 points as number two center. Uh, and then you have even have Sean Couturier putting up 34 points in 66 games. Um, so the pressure on Nolan Patrick to come in and um, put up big points uh, is not is not all that important. Um, he can come in and he can be an impact player without a lot of the pressure. Right. So uh, with that, I also would like to make a correction. The uh, Steve Mason is no longer on the the Flyers. Their their goalie will be. I don't know how to pronounce this name. Michael Nurfirth. <laughs> I've never. Uh... Right. So yeah, the Flyers have Michael Neuverth and Brian Elliott. Um, under contract for this coming year, so we'll, uh, there's a there was a little bit of goaltending. Um, there was a little bit of a goaltending merry-go-round between the Flyers, the Rangers, the Winnipeg Jets, um, and a couple other teams. Like I saw a pretty funny graphic where literally it was, it was like a merry-go-round. Like there was like six teams where the goaltenders all just switched one spot to the left. Um, right. So. But, yeah, so the, the Flyers, Michael Neuverth and Brian Elliott look to be the two goalies that are going to be um, sharing the load this year. Um, yeah, but we'll, so... But what those, we, did, we did talk about uh, the goaltending situation last year, and the stats were correct um, with Steve Mason. Yeah, so, I mean, Steve Mason is not the goalie, but the situation is still the same. Those are two very capable goalies. Uh, I, I think their goaltending is not the the biggest issue with the Flyers. They're right. goalies that, that can get the job done and the, the team in front of them needs to perform. Right. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give you a chance to win. They're not gonna they're not gonna be a Carey Price. They're not gonna be a Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky or anything like that. But they are gonna they are gonna give you somewhat capable goaltending. Yeah. They're not gonna steal games for you, but like you said, they'll give you a chance to win. Right. All right, so uh, the final team is the New York Islanders. You want to wrap yeah. that up for us? Right, so the Islanders were the closest team to making the playoffs. They were uh, had 94 points. They were in ninth place, one point behind Toronto. They were fifth in the Metro Division. Um, this was following up the year before where they won their first playoff series in I forget how many years, but it was a long time. Um, John Tavares scoring... Uh, a pretty iconic goal for Islanders fans um, in overtime against Florida in Game Six. Um, I I remember watching that game, and I was even though I'm a Rangers fan, I was still I was still pretty pumped for him. I wanted to see Florida win that game so it could go to a Game Seven, but hey, uh, it was it was a pretty good ending to that series. <clears throat> um, I would say the some other news from the Islanders this year. They traded Travis Hamanick, who is their, one of their assistant captains, to the Flames for a first-rounder, a second-rounder, and a 2019 or 2020 second-rounder, depending on how um, the Flames finish this year. Um, they also traded for Jordan Eberle um, and gave up Ryan Strome this year. So 
Um, Jordan Eberle should be able to come in and provide more offense for them. Um, and the Islanders did not have a first-round pick in this year's draft. So looking at the goalie situation for the Islanders, they have Thomas Grice and Yaroslav Halak. Grice put up 51 or played in 51 games with 26 wins, 18 losses, 2.69 goals against, and a 913 save percentage with three shutouts. Halak, 28 games played, 12 wins, 9 losses, 2.80 goals against, and 915 save percentage with two shutouts. I'm not sure of the exact overtime losses there. Uh, just do the math. Um, so, I, again, capable goaltending. Uh, you're not going to get outstanding goaltending. I know the Islanders are hoping for um, a bit of a rebound this year from their goaltending situation, uh, a little bit of improvement, which I think would go a long way for them. I mean, even if they were able to steal one point, that puts them in a tie with Toronto. So, um, it's just a little bit of improvement there, and I, I think they'll be right there. Um, on defense, the Islanders, they traded away Travis Hamnick for um, first, second, and another second. Um, so that's going to be tough um, for them. Travis Hamnick was a uh, solid defense, solid top four defenseman, ate up a lot of minutes for them last year. Um, but going into this year, the Islanders have Johnny Boychuk, Nick Letty, Calvin DeHaan, Thomas Hick- Hickey, Dennis Seidenberg, Scott Mayfield, Adam Pellick, and Ryan Pulak um, as candidates for their defense. Last year, Boychuk played in 66 games, put up 23 points. Nick Letty, 81 games, 46 points. Calvin DeHaan, 82 games, 25 points. Thomas Hickey, 76 games, 20 points. Dennis Seidenberg, 73 uh, games, 22 points. And then you had Mayfield, Pellick, and Pulak all playing um, much smaller roles. Um, Pulak being one of their um, their prospects to watch for um, as he as he uh, gets older. Um, moving on to the forwards, you have John Tavares at center, franchise player, followed up by Brock Nelson, Alan. I don't I don't know how you pronounce it. Quine, Kine, whatever. Uh, and. Good and Casey Sezikis, and then also a very talented prospect in Matthew Barzal, uh, who made his NHL debut this past year playing in two games. Uh, at left wing, you got Anders Lee, Andrew Ladd, Anthony Bellevue, Nikolai Kuhleman, Shane Prince. And at right wing, you bring in Jordan Eberle, you have Josh Bailey, you have Joshua Hosong, a very, another very talented prospect, Cal Clutterbuck, and Jason Chimera. Um, so, so the Islanders actually have some pretty good offensive depth um i mean you have john tavares who is a game changer um, guy who can put up 70 80 point he can be a point per game player easily um score 30 goals and 50 assists um if he if he gets the right players next to him um and then you bring in jordan eberly to play alongside of him you have andrew ladd who can play up and down the lineup he didn't he doesn't put up a lot of assists but he can score goals you have andrews lee who put up 34 goals um, and then I think the, the biggest thing for the Islanders to watch is can these young guys like Matthew Barzal and Joshua Hosang um, make the next step. Barzal played in two games this past year, and Hosang played in 21 games. Um, I think he, he put up four goals and six assists for 10 points, which is that's a half a point per game. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, for, I, it's, it's pretty I solid remember, for a rookie. I remember watching Hosang in the playoffs and thinking, wow, this kid – I, didn't, I had no idea who he was, but I could tell that 
he was very talented, and I remember him being very fast. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's very good. Um, both of those guys came up in uh, trade rumors for Matt Duchesne. Um, again, Joe Sackick is seeming to ask for the world for Matt Duchesne. Um, so no deal has gone down yet, but both of those guys had been mentioned in those rumors. Um, but the, I think the big thing this year for the Islanders, can those young guys step up? Can Matthew Barzal uh, step up? Who, by the way, Matthew Barzal uh, was, a cent, was the center for Ryan Gropp, um, one of the Rangers prospects, our second-round draft pick from last year. Um, they both tore it up in the uh, WHL. Um and then I think the biggest storyline besides the Islanders' actual play is will John Tavares be a New York Islander come opening uh, night next year? Um, right now, he has not signed his contract extension. Um, there's been talk of relocation. There's been talk of moving back to Long Island. Um, so there's the issue of the Barclays ice. Uh, it's probably the worst ice in the NHL and people have gotten injured there Rick Nash I believe was one of, uh, one of his hamstring issues came right after they played uh, played the Islanders there so that's, that's a couple things to watch out for um, from what I've heard money and term is not the issue with the Islanders with John Tavares so that's interesting we shall see that I, I've heard that they have essentially an open checkbook for him so, which which they absolutely should have. He's or should have. He's their franchise player. Yeah. From what I've from what I've heard, I mean, this is a, any player in this situation is going to say this because you don't say anything else. I've heard that he said that he wants to remain with the Islanders, but um, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right. Uh, the Islanders have to Ryan, show him something. They have to yeah. show him something. Yeah. That's the big thing. Are they going to be able to put those pieces next to them to build towards a championship? And right now, I I think it's I honestly think it's going to come down to what the Islanders do at the trade deadline and how they perform going into the playoffs if they make the playoffs. I I think they're a solid team, but I I don't think they're a Stanley Cup team. As as constructed right now, they're not. I I don't think so. Yeah. They. I mean, they could, they could, they could have an upset, and I actually, I actually have that in my prediction. So I'll move right into that. So my point prediction for the Islanders is 96 points. They get the second wild card in the East, and in the first round of the playoffs, they upset the Pittsburgh Penguins and then lose to the Rangers in the second round as their story, as their Cinderella story gets cut short. So sorry, Islanders fans, uh, you're, you can win another playoff series, you can beat the Penguins for us, but. Once it comes to that uh, crosstown rivalry, yeah, I'm sorry, you're you're going home. Game over. And then guess what? Come uh, opening night, 2018, John Tavares is centering the first line for the New York Rangers. <laughs> I would be totally fine with that. You heard it here first. Yeah. In all seriousness, no, I don't think the Rangers can afford him. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, the end of our. Uh, first first part of the Metropolitan Division preview. So, uh, again, these teams are probably probably not going to be, uh, you know, high up in the Metropolitan Division, but some of them will might slip into a wild card spot. Uh, but who, no, who knows? Hockey's a, hockey's a strange game. Anything can happen. 
Yeah. Um, but one of, the, one of the reasons I love it. Absolutely. And I want to I want to apologize for any fans of the uh, of these teams. If we made any mistakes, please let us know. Uh, we are by no means experts on any of these teams. Um, we watch them when they come play the Rangers. We'll watch them occasionally, um, and we we try to do our due diligence. But mistakes are made, especially when uh, you don't really know these teams all that well. So. All right, well, uh, thank you for tuning in and uh, check back in with us in two weeks for uh, what uh, was the top half of the Metropolitan Division this past season. So and our, that is all. Have a good one, guys. No, I was just... Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>